Hi, my name is Christy Kramer, and this is Michigan Unsolved, the true crime podcast that is solely focusing on unsolved cases in Michigan. There is no case too small. My goal is to give victims of unsolved crimes the voice they deserve. Hey everyone, welcome back. Here I am again in the great state of Michigan. It is March, mid-March or so. Um, It will be mid-March when this episode is posted. But uh, it is cold. (laughs) We got pummeled again with snow last night and it it is cold. I am definitely looking forward to spring as I'm sure so many of you are. I know I have a lot of Michigan listeners, so I know you all get me. Um, I did find out this week that we now have listeners in Canada, the UK, Germany, and France. So I really want to say welcome to you. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing. I feel international now, so that's pretty cool. Um, Today's case... And I'm actually going to, I know I had told you last week that I really wanted to do some kind of like talk about some of the awareness things every month, but this case is huge. It is so massive. The information that I have compiled here in front of me is, it's an insane amount. So I want to make sure that we get through everything today. So I'm just going to get right into it. This case could potentially reach all over the world. So I love that we have international listeners. Please share this information, share this episode, and I'm going to tell you some other ways to share this story as well because, as you know, this is Michigan Unsolved. This case remains unsolved. So... We need to get this information out here because we know who did it. And that is when it gets so frustrating is when you know who did it and you don't have the person in custody. So I really think that we need to get as much of this information out there to spread this word because this story is going to absolutely break your heart. And as I promised you last week... It is not a child. Thank goodness. (laughs) Um, So this story was actually covered on season three of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. And I got a lot of the information from them as well as some other research. So I definitely recommend that you check it out. The episode is called Body in Bags. And there are so many pictures of the killer in this episode. And um, I I can't tell you enough to go watch it. it. It's going to, honest to goodness, you're going to feel so connected to the victim and his family. It's, it's really, it's a well done episode. As all of the Unsolved Mystery episodes on Netflix are, I'm a huge fan. So definitely check it out. And I believe next week's episode was in season two. So 
even better. Um, so let's get right into this. This is the case of the murder of David Darnell Carter. Now, David was born in July, July 16th, 1979. And he was the son of Elton Sr. and Marie Carter. David had two brothers and three sisters, but he had an extremely close relationship with his younger sister, Tasia. And if you go back and watch that Netflix episode, you were going to see Tasia give her interviews and she's just going to touch you like you would not believe. She's such a strong woman who had such a love for her brother. Elton Sr., David's father, was a military man, and as you know, with that comes a lot of relocation. But in 1983, the Carter family made Detroit, Michigan their home. David graduated from Southwestern High School in Detroit in 1997. He went on to play basketball at Saginaw Valley State University. And when he was just 20 years old, he became a father to a beautiful baby boy, David Carter Jr., known as DJ. Now, DJ's mom, Samira, I'm sorry, Samia, remembers the moments shortly after their son was born. She told Unsolved Mysteries that David barely got a look at their son when he ran from the room yelling, I've got a boy. He was so excited. And his bond with his son is something that DJ will never forget. So Samia and David were just 19 and 20 at the time of DJ's birth, and they were young parents, but they had big dreams. And for so many years, they had an on-again, off-again relationship, but even once they finally ended things for good, they continued to have a close relationship to ensure that they were the best possible co-parents for their son. David was known for being hardworking, fun-loving, yet serious. As an adult, he worked full-time at an automotive supplier, and he had this passion for life. And that spilled out in a form of creativity where he created his own clothing line called Lavish Habits Unlimited. In the Unsolved Mysteries episode, they they posted a vi- they showed a post a video that David had posted on social media, and he had a message for his listeners. And his words now have such a heavy meaning. David said, "I have things that I want to accomplish." Today, tomorrow, five years down the line, ten years down the line. And I have confidence in myself. Once I accomplish my goals, I move on to the next. David was a determined man that had such an incredible future ahead of him. But that future was stolen from him in the most horrific way. After David and Samia ended their relationship, David had no shortage of women wanting to date him. And that was very understanding because he was extremely handsome. He was six foot four. He was very athletic. I mean, I'll be honest. I saw all the pictures of him. He, take it from a girl, very handsome man. 
But in March of 2018, he went to a friend's birthday party. And at this birthday party, he reconnected with an old friend from high school. A woman by the name of Tamara Williams. She was better known by her friends as Tammy. One of David's longtime friends, Angela, said that she was a little surprised when she heard of the budding romance. Angela and David met when they were just nine years old. They were very close friends for 30 years. But it was never anything more than platonic because their, relation, their friendship was just too important to both of them. So they kept it completely just friends. Angela, Angela said that she, David, and Tammy were all in the same graduating class. She remembered Tammy as having a bubbly personality in high school, and she considered her a solid friend, but after graduation, most of them all went their separate ways. Tammy Williams worked as a phlebotomist at the Detroit Medical Center, and she also worked as a travel agent. She, like David, was a parent. Tammy was a mother to a set of boy and girl twins, and they were 18 years old in 2019. David's son said that his dad and Tammy spent a lot of time together, and that at one point he even wondered if maybe Tammy was the one. David's family wanted nothing more than his happiness, and as long as he was happy, they were okay with the relationship. However, one person had her misgivings from the moment she met Tammy. As I mentioned, David and his younger sister, Tasia, had a very close relationship. Tasia said that he was her best friend. He was her person. From day one, Tasia said that every time she saw David, there was Tammy. She was never far behind. When Tasia would express her feelings to her friends and other family members, they would just say, oh, you're the crazy little sister, you don't like anyone. But she knew in her gut that this one was different. She knew she did not like Tammy. Shortly after they began dating, it was obvious to family and friends that Tammy was very possessive and a little obsessive of David. Tasia said that any time they saw David, Tammy... She was right there. Even David's father recognized the behavior as odd. Elton Sr. said that he tried not to get involved in his children's relationships as long as they were happy, but he would quietly notice things that he found to be strange, especially at family gatherings. When David would be talking to other people, Tammy would just kind of sit back and stare at him. It didn't matter who he was talking to, Tammy's eyes were locked on David. Tammy hated sharing her boyfriend so much that in early 2018, I'm sorry, in September of 2018, David's female cousin invited him to a movie. His cousin drove, and when she brought David back to his apartment, they were stunned to find that David's car was sitting in the parking lot with all four of his tires slashed. There was no doubt in the minds of David's family that Tammy was the one who so blatantly tried to send a message. But David still wanted to see the good in his girlfriend. They'd been together for six months. So he even included to continued to include her in the family events, including DJ's football games. 
DJ, DJ was a rising star at River Rouge High School. David and his son had a relationship like no other. DJ told Netflix that his father was the person he looked up to ever since he was born. Our bond was just something that couldn't break. One of the things that they bonded over was being high school athletes. On Friday, September 8th, 2018, the family gathered for one of DJ's football games. Taja says that when her and her husband Derek arrived at the field, they saw David in the stands, happy and smiling, cheering on his son. However, she took note that Tammy, although in attendance, was sitting higher up in the stands and by herself. She did not even acknowledge Taja and Derek when they arrived. When Tasia questioned Derek about Tammy's behavior, he let on that everything was fine and he continued to enjoy himself at his son's game. That same night, DJ's mom, Samia, noticed that Tammy was intently staring at her. She said she could, like, her eyes were burning into her. And Tammy had been known to be jealous of David and Samia's relationship, or their friendship, and as the game ended and the family all went their separate ways, none of them thought that that would be the last time that they saw David. From this point, the timeline jumps around a little bit. So I'm going to try to tell this from the family's point of view on how things evolved for them. If you watch the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries episode, they go in a whole different, they, they follow the timeline in a different way. But I thought it would be best to tell it from the family's perspective as to how things unfolded for them. Okay, so Sunday, September 30th, 2018. So this is two days after David's DJ's fo football game. Uh, DJ was preparing to go to his dad's house for the night when Samia got a text message from David. He said he was sick, so sick, in fact, that he didn't want DJ to come over. So DJ took that opportunity to make plans to go to his grandmother's house. But he had left a few things at David's apartment, so he decided to stop there on the way to his grandma's. Upon arriving at David's apartment, DJ noted Tammy was walking with a bag of garbage towards the dumpster. DJ continued to walk towards David's building when all of a sudden Tammy started running by him. And he states this was not like a jog. This was like full on run. She ran directly past him. There was no doubt that she saw him. She literally ran past him. He found it strange, but, you know, he she was a strange person. So he kept walking towards the apartment. When he arrived at his dad's door, he found that it was locked. And since Tammy had just seen him and knew he was obviously heading to the apartment, why would she lock the door? Now, to play devil's advocate, I'm wondering if she locked it out of force of habit because I do that all the time. You know, I'll be outside, I'll come in the house, I'll lock the door, and then all of a sudden my brother is either knocking or calling me on my cell phone saying, you locked me out. It's just a force of habit. You close the door and you lock it. 
So I don't know if she intentionally locked the door or if it was just a force of habit thing. But it was okay because DJ had a key, so he went ahead and let himself in. Tammy immediately approached him at the door and was asking while he was, you know, why he was there. And he said, you know, I left a couple of things here. Have you seen my phone charger? And she said no. And DJ proceeded to walk through the apartment and to look for his phone charger. And at that point, Tammy closed the bathroom door, which he thought was strange. And he noticed that his dad's bedroom door was closed again odd so he figured well you know my dad is sick he's probably resting so the door is closed so Tammy um DJ said you know I'm gonna go check on my dad and Tammy goes well your dad's not here and DJ was extremely confused by this where you know where was his father and Tammy tells him that he went for a walk well, again, this doesn't make any sense. If he was that sick, why would he go for a walk? It was a cold September day, a very late September. So, you know, the next day was October 1st. So it was cold. And he was very confused by this. But you got to remember that DJ was literally still a kid. You know, you may be 17 at the time. And... You, you may, you know, think, oh, that seems strange or why didn't he, you know, why didn't he press her? Because he's a child listening to an adult. I can't fault him for that whatsoever. And I'm sure he feels something himself. And we'll actually talk about that later. But um, he believed what Tammy was telling him. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. So... Again, DJ had plans to go to his grandmother's house, so he trusted Tammy. He trusted what his dad's girlfriend was telling him. He really did not have any reason not to, and he left and went to his grandmother's. Well, then two days later on Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018, one of David's co-workers, a man named Roger, who had worked with David for quite some time at this um, automotive supplier, he called David's sister because he was concerned because David did not show up for work on Monday and Tuesday. Now, he also did not show up for work on Sunday, and Sunday would have been double time. Now, let me just put that into perspective for you. My brother, just yesterday, we were just having this conversation because he is going to be working the next 11 days. And I'm, I told him, I said, wow, why would you even remotely want to do that? And he pointed out that Sunday is literally, it's double time. He goes, it, it's, you're doing the same job that you normally would do, but you're getting paid for two days. And it, that meant something. And he, David had a very strong worth ethic and you know, he, we wanted to make something with his life. He had his own clothing brand. I'm sure he could always use the extra money. And Roger said there was no way David would pass up a double time shift. So he missed Sunday, he missed Monday, and then he missed Tuesday and Roger called Tasia. So Tasia, again, they're very close and she's, 
very confused by this as well, probably knowing that you know, this would have been important to David. And he's, he's like I said, he's got a really strong worth ethic. And for him to miss three days of work without calling is very strange. So Tasia started to, she called David's phone and it went straight to voicemail. So that is a little odd. Um, so she called Tammy and Tammy tells her that she had not talked or seen to David since Sunday. Now that is when Tammy and when Tasia is like, wait a minute, what? Like she is constantly by David's side. Why are, how do you not have, how have you not talked to him in three days? You're always with him. Excuse me. Um, so that made her very concerned. So at that point, uh, Tasia and her husband, Derek, decided that they were going to go over to, to David's apartment. I'm sure at that point they're thinking, wow, if he was that sick on Sunday, is he still that sick? You know, maybe, maybe, you know, who knows? This is pre-COVID, but God only knows, you know, if somebody is that sick, maybe they need to go to the hospital. So Tasia and her husband, like I said, went to David's apartment. And when they arrived at the complex, the first thing they noticed was that David's car was in his parking spot. Um, so they went up to his apartment. After knocking on the door and not getting a response, Derek checked the door handle and it was unlocked. Now, Tasia knew at that moment, no, this is completely wrong. Something is not right here. There is no way David would leave his apartment unlocked. It's just, it's not happening. Even if he was going to be like walking out to the garbage, he's locking his apartment. That's just how he was. So instead of entering the apartment, not knowing what they were going to find, Tasia immediately called her father, Elton, and Samia, DJ's mom. When, when they arrived, when all four of them were there together, they decided to enter the apartment. Now, Tasia and Samia, these are two women who knew David better than anyone. Okay, you've got his sister who you know, he's extremely close to, and you've got his son's mother. They were together for years. She knows him very, very well. So when they walked into the apartment, they both immediately knew that something was off. There were like dishes in the sink. There were sheets kind of balled up and shoved in the linen closet with the door open. And David was a neat freak. He was almost borderline obsessive. He had like things needed to be clean and in their, in their place. And there were way too many things out of place in David's apartment. So they headed at that point over to David's bedroom. And this is the moment that without a doubt, they knew something was terribly, terribly wrong. It's one thing to know something is off, but this there was no doubt at this point. So the first thing that they noticed was that the bed was not made. And there is no way David would not make his bed. 
that's just something that he has done every single day. He always makes his bed. And then they, Tasia was looking around the room and she noticed that the, you know, his bedroom was carpeted. So she noticed that there were indentions in the carpet as if the bed had been moved. Like the bed had been in its position for so long it made an indention and it had been moved. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Um, I currently sleep in my parents' bedroom. You know, we inherited my parents' house after they passed away. And they had had a bed in the same position in their room for eight years. It has been four years since I've been in that room with my bed in a different position. And the indentions from their bed are still there. So those carpet indentions from a bed that has been there for a while, it's obvious you know, you can tell that there was a bed there. So that made Dave, that made Tasia kind of look underneath the bed. Like, why was this bed moved? So she looks underneath the bed and she sees this large red stain. Now you got to think, oh, I can't even imagine the, the gut-wrenching feeling she felt in that moment. You know, just completely, utterly gut-wrenching. And Samia, oh, this is so hard. These poor ladies. I swear, I just like want to wrap them both in a hug because I cannot imagine what they were feeling. But Samia pulled back the comforter on the bed. And at that point, they saw a large red stain on the mattress up by where the head would be. And there was a hole in the mattress, a small hole. And David's father also noted that there was a small hole in the closet door. David's father, again, being a military man, knew exactly what they were looking at. He knew that these were bullet holes. So he immediately ordered his family to leave the apartment and they went straight to the Melvindale Police Department to report David Carter Jr. I'm sorry, David Carter Sr. as missing. A missing persons report was filed and police processed the apartment as a crime scene. Tasia again called Tammy, but this time to let her know that her boyfriend of six months was missing. And she asked Tammy again if she had any idea where David was. And Tammy still held on to her story that she hadn't seen him since Sunday. The Carter family went straight into action to find David. They called hospitals, morgues, took to social media, begging for any leads to David's whereabouts. But Tammy, the woman who rarely left David's side, did not help in any way. In fact, she didn't even seem concerned at all. She continued on with her normal routine, going to work, even posting selfies on social media. And David's loved ones found Tammy's behavior to be so odd that they told the police they should definitely look into Tammy. The Carters spent the next day searching for David, but on Wednesday, October 3rd, things were never going to be the same. 
David's father received a phone call from the Melvindale police chief, and he asked Mr. Carter if he would come down to the station to answer a few questions. Tasia's, Tasia's husband, Derek, drove his father-in-law down to meet with the chief. Mr. Carter sat there while he was asked a few questions about his son. The one that they were very interested in is if David had any tattoos. Elton did not hesitate. Yes, David had a tattoo of a pit bull with red eyes on his upper leg. This was a tattoo he really, really loved. And it was this tattoo that brought the knowledge that David would not be coming home. The police told Elton that his son was dead and that the manner of death would rock his family to their core. You see, two days before that, on Monday, October 1st, this is even before they knew that David was missing, the Ohio Department of Transportation was mowing the grass along Interstate 75 in Hancock County, Ohio, about 50 miles south of the Michigan border. They came across a sleeping bag that was tied up and laying within a row of pine trees. At first, the workers wondered if maybe it was a dog. But then they wondered maybe it was a child. The workers immediately called the police, and when the officers arrived, they inspected the sleeping bag and proceeded to open it. The officer was taken aback by what he saw, and he had to take a second look. He had to make sure that his eyes were not playing tricks. Inside the sleeping bag, he saw a foot. The bag was immediately taken to Lucas County coroner's office. The medical examiner, Dr. Dan Diane Burnett, told Unsolved Mysteries that the bag contained the lower torso of an adult male. Everything below, basically the belly button and below, was intact. She stated that the inseam was 36 inches long, so this reflected a very tall man. And she also said that he was either African-American or biracial. But what made this finding distinguishable was the tattoo on the upper left leg. A tattoo of a pit bull with red eyes. They pulled up the missing persons reports and sent their findings to the Melvindale police. And that brings us back to that fateful Wednesday, October 3rd, when Elton Carter was told that his son was dead. The drive home from the station was quiet as they both, as both Derek and Elton thought about how to tell their wives that their brother and son was gone. Tasia says the moment she saw Derek's face, she knew. Her husband held her as she began to process the news. Elton told Unsolved Mysteries in regards to telling his wife, Marie, of all the things that I've been through, that I've done, that's nothing. I can't think of anything that was harder than telling her it was our son. 
She just broke down. It was like everything drained out of her, and there was nothing I could do but hold her. Over the next couple of days, the family came together to support each other, and one of the things they did was to continue to support David Jr. by going to one of his football games. As I mentioned before, this was something that David absolutely loved to do, so it was important for them to continue that. On Friday, October 5th, just one week since the last game where they saw their fo- where they saw David, DJ Carter took to the football field. His coach had asked him if he needed to take some time off from football, but DJ said no. His dad taught him a quote to live by. Whatever happens, just keep going no matter what. This was so important to DJ, and he decided to play that night and play for his dad. In fact, he played an amazing game, probably one of his best, and he said he felt like his dad was with him, in him, helping him do moves he didn't have in him to do. And DJ's team won that day, in David's memory. DJ said the support he felt in the stands was unbelievable, and the stands were full of family. But while she was still at the field, David's sister Tasia got a call that gave the Carter family even more reason to celebrate. They were told that Tammy Williams had been arrested in connection to David's murder. But that excitement was short-lived. Since they only had the lower portion of David's body and no cause of death, Monday, October 8th, Tammy was released from custody. The clock had rung out on the 72 hours, and the, cel- the celebration the family just felt had their spirits crushed. You know, they thought they were going to get justice, and then it was gone. They knew that until the rest of David was found, there would likely be no justice. Then, just two days later, on Wednesday, October 10th, they got one step closer. Just north of where the sleeping bag was found, a small black duffel bag was located. And this contained David Carter's head, wrapped up in plastic grocery bags and placed inside the duffel bag. The thoughts going through the family's mind right now just can't be good. While every discovery brings them closer to justice and finally finding and finally laying David's body to rest, but it also makes them aware of the heinous act that was committed against their son, their brother, their father, their friend. Then the moment happened. Nearly a week later, on Tuesday, October 16th, a small suitcase with bright flowers all over it was found along I-75 in northern Ohio. Inside the suitcase was a comforter. And inside the comforter was the remainder of David Carter Sr. Dr. Burnett said that they could finally determine the cause of death. 
Behind his ear, I believe it was behind his left ear, there was a gunshot wound, and the exit wound was on the top of his head. She said that this wound was very close range, almost near contact. So many questions remained. How is it possible that he didn't see this coming? Was he incapacitated in some, in some way? The only thing in his system was an antihistamine. And potentially that could have made him sleepy, but there's just there's a lot of questions there. Tammy, I mean, um, David's family believes that David broke up with Tammy the night after the football game. And then Saturday night while he slept, Tammy used her key and entered the apartment and shot David at close range. Now, as I said, that's what his family believes. Of course, we try to be factual, and I do have to say that that is speculation, but that is the belief that they have. David's family was happy now that there was a cause of death, and they were just waiting for Tammy to be arrested again for murder. And while they waited for that news, the, the Carter families... David's loved ones gathered to say their final goodbyes. David's funeral was held in the auditorium of River Rouge, River Rouge High School, the same one that DJ attended. Hundreds of people gathered, and David's father said that it was standing room only. He, he said it was overwhelming because his son touched so many people. And after the funeral passed, the Carters expected to hear from the police. But Thanksgiving came and went, and Christmas came and went. They all passed with no justice for David. Then the unthinkable happened. They were notified in mid-January that warrants had been issued against Tammy back in December for four counts. First-degree homicide tampering with evidence, felony firearm, and dismemberment. But there was a problem. Tammy Williams was missing. They were able to trace her whereabouts back to October, and you are not going to believe what they found. On October 16th, you remember that day? It was the day the final set of remains were found. Well, on that Tuesday, the U.S. Marshals, who have now been called in to handle the case, have record of cash withdrawals at ATMs in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is about 40 miles from David's apartment in Melvindale. They also have video of her sitting down at a restaurant and having dinner and a couple of drinks. After dinner, she left the restaurant and boarded a small pedal car and went back to her hotel. Then the next morning, October 17th, she left her hotel and went to the train station and boarded a train to Chicago, Illinois. And she got off of that train and boarded another train to Penn Station in New York City. She then checked into the Neptune Hotel in Brooklyn 
spent the night, and then walked out the next morning, October 18th, never being seen again. Now, because at that point, nobody was even really looking for her yet, she checked in with her own IDs under her own name like it was nothing, no big deal. She even used her own credit cards. Now, if you're familiar with this region of the country, if you're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you take a train to Chicago, Illinois, you are going west. A good, if you're going by car, that's a good four hours. And then you're going to hop on another train and take it to New York, which is like three states away. Like you, you cannot tell me she was not trying to either lose the police or something. I, I don't even know what was going through her mind. It just blows my mind that she did this. So let me tell you a little bit about Tammy. Um, her full name is Tamira Williams. She does go by Tammy. She is described as African American, about five foot five inches, between 180 and 200 pounds. She has brown eyes and she would now be about 42 years old. When people describe Tammy, they don't generally talk about hair color because apparently, according to reports, she was one to constantly change up her hair. She wore wigs. She colored it. It was like she was ever changing. She loved to change her look. So it's it's difficult to for them to really pinpoint a hair color because or with any honestly, let's be honest, any woman. I change my hair color like I change my socks, you know. I so the hair color thing I totally get them not including in a lot of the reports because it could potentially change at any minute. So she also has a very distinguishable tattoo on her left shoulder. It's a bouquet of roses and it's ex it's it's pretty big. I, I've seen pictures and I do believe there's a picture of it on the Unsolved Mysteries episode, but it kind of covers her entire shoulder and it extends down to her elbow. So it's a it's a very distinguishable tattoo. So that's something to think about. And again, why I highly recommend checking out this Netflix episode of Unsolved Mysteries, Body in Bags, because Again, they show you so many different photos of of Tammy. They show you, I'm almost positive they show the tattoo. I can't see why they wouldn't. Um, there's, you really get a good idea of what she looks like. Okay. Um, as I mentioned before, the U.S. Marshals had been brought in on the case, and this is because of the heinous nature of this crime. You're, I mean extremely heinous and and let me let me tell you I'm going to tell you just how heinous this is so I save this for the end because if you don't want to hear this please feel free to cut out now because this is pretty bad so here we go the Lucas County Medical Exam examiner, Dr. Burnett, said that the dismemberment of David Carter was a very long process. 
he was dismembered by cuts, not with like a saw. She believes that it was nothing more than an average kitchen knife. And this was not a crime of passion. This would have been carefully thought out and executed. So you were talking about like great lengths and and a long period of time that she spent removing separating this this poor man David's sister Tasia wants justice not only for her brother but also for her mother just six days prior to David's murder Marie Carter was diagnosed with cancer and her son's death devastated her so much that she refused cancer treatments and on January 6th 2020, just 15 months after her son was killed, Mrs. Carter passed away. The Carter family is doing their best to live their lives as David would want. DJ Carter has taken over as CEO of Lavish Habits Unlimited, his father's clothing line. He's attending college majoring in business management. And his father would love that he's still playing football. He said he's doing okay. He definitely still has his moments. Which I totally understand. Tasia says, You never know how much light somebody brings into a room until it's no longer there. And she knows that finding Tammy will not bring David back, but it will finally allow him to rest in peace. So again, please, 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 please consider watching the episode Body and Bags, Season 3 of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. There's so much information on that episode and so many pictures who knows? I've said this a hundred times. Something just may trigger a memory. Hey, I know that person. Ooh, I've seen that tattoo. I mean, even if you saw it six months ago and you're nowhere near that location again, you call police and say, hey, I saw that tattoo in Cincinnati, Ohio. That gives them something to go on. At this point, they literally have nothing, nothing to go on at all. So that is the story of David Carter Sr. Father, brother, son, and friend. A life that had so much promise taken away by someone who had no regard for human life. Thank you for joining me on Michigan Unsolved, and I will see you guys next week.